Squeak. Welcome to Strange Assembly. This is episode, good lord, is it 219? Is that correct? That's a lot of episodes. Rise, Rise of the Phoenix? Well, Risen from the Flames? What did we decide to call this nonsense? <laughs> well, the story was called Risen from the Flames. <laughs> okay. Episode 219, Spooky's back, yay! Aw, now you spoiled my my joke where I I say we should talk to Spooky about this Robert Denton guy. He seems pretty good. Yeah, no, he he was really good. I wonder if they're related. (laughs) I I don't know. Actually, I think that Spooky is both Robert Denton's son and grandson. Ooh, fancy. So yeah, uh, welcome to Strange Assembly. I'm Chris Stevenson, and uh, with me today... Wait, no... I think I'm reading your lines again. <laughs> I, well, this script says right in there, Jay, do the intro this time. That's a total lie. We we don't at all have a script, guys. <laughs> like, that should be obvious. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. Jay's our webmaster, technically. So technically. he should know that. <laughs> I'd ask if you had gotten any contacts about your internship opening, Jay, but since I literally just posted the crab thing today, probably not. No. Yes, you can uh, find us on the usual social media. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. So today, as we record, is Thursday, July 20th. So it's been a week since we last recorded. We've got we got some more relevant crab information. We got a handful of Phoenix previews, and of course we got the opening Phoenix clan fiction, where I guess Phoenix drew the the long straw on authors. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> I am really happy that Spooky's back, and especially happy that he uh, is doing our fiction. Yes. Would anybody? Is there anybody who would not be happy to have Spooky doing their clans fiction? No, I can't think of anyone. Yes, but I I have to say though, while Spooky may be a great writer, he is a terrible podcast host. You should not listen to his L five R podcast. <laughs> like, what is up with that? What is up with that? Like, there weren't enough L five R podcasts running around. Now you gotta try to split your time between all of us, and then like the guy who's officially writing the fiction doing his own podcast. So that's that's fair. That's fair, Spooky. Yeah, that does seem to be cheating, doesn't it? It is. It is cheating. It's cheating. So let's see. Uh, let's do these in chronological order. Last time we talked about Crab, and it, it was somewhat painful as I was finishing editing it, because we get to the point where I'm like, we're, we're all... Oh man, don't Crab really need more one-cost characters? I wonder what Hida Guardian does. <laughs> and then surprise, we find out they have awesome one-cost characters and Hida Guardian does awesome nonsense, yes. They have the, the freebie, but doesn't I don't think does anything else, the scout, the eager scout. Yeah. It was also funny too, you were like, we were, you, I, you were listening and you, you were saying something like, oh, is it Lion or is it Crab who has the free character? Both of them have free characters, actually. Okay, that explains my confusion, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the Crab have the, the free Envoy, uh, not Envoy, the, the Eager Scout, the Lion have the guy who's got two military, but then dies if you, have, if you don't have more honor than your opponents. Right. 
So what? Question number one was, you know, what what did he the Guardian do? Insane, insane things. Multiple military and political strength bonuses for every holding you have. Insane, for one. And then they also got spoiled during the game that the Kyle Envoy, who is a one military for one fate character, so terrible on its face, except for sacrificing, but has sincerity and courtesy, which means when you sacrifice him, you get your fate back and you get to draw a card. Or just when he generally dies, yeah. Yes, but... You don't even have to eat him. I mean, yes, you want to eat him, but you don't even have to. He goes bye-bye, you get a new card. (laughs) Yes, you you get your money back. You, You used a card and a fate, you get your card and a fate back. Money back guarantee, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Yasuki Billy Mays. <laughs> Here to talk to you about the Crab Clan. Yeah, I don't know if we saw anything else that was a crab-specific thing. I think we saw one more dragon card, and then I believe everything else was neutral. So yeah, the dragon card was Daimyo's Favor. It's an attachment for free, which is really the main thing it does. Yeah. It's an attachment for free. But then you can bow it, and the next attachment you attach to that character in that phase costs one less. Yeah, I, mean, I, should... I guess I should look at it as just a super version of one Koku. Yeah. But it's economy, and so I guess if you think about it as, I really want fade cards that cost zero, and this is a fade card that kind of costs negative one. Right? I mean, it doesn't do anything but cost the negative one. But but hey, costing negative one is is a, an upside. Yeah, that was the one when they were playing. He just kept using that to eat up the, hey, Kasada cancels your first action. <laughs> action. My next thing costs... Oh. We saw another province, entrenched position. It no longer negates sneak attacks. Five strength Earth province <laughs> and becomes a ten strength province during a military conflict. That seems almost like an auto include. The other neutral province on that slot is going to have to be amazing to not. <laughs> That's hard to break, just in general, yeah. right? Because it's five, but there are going to be clans like right. We already know Lion that are have a much much harder time breaking things with politics than military. Yeah. Also, from what we've heard, there's a lot fewer politics boosts in general, so it becomes much even even a five for politics becomes very difficult to to deal with. Well, yeah, I mean, or the Crane Clan champion, you know. <laughs> I didn't say impossible. I said difficult. <laughs> we got manicured garden, another neutral province, four strength air province that gives you a fate action. Get a fate. Fate is good. Anything you want, you may only get one free fade out of it, but you will get a free fade out of it. Presumably, yeah. Unless Casada's attacking you, and then you know. Well, yes. <laughs> We've got Route, which is a send home, a neutral send home, keyed off of Bushi's military strength. We got Ornate conf- Fan confirmed as a zero two for zero, which we really already knew. Yeah. Now charge seemed strong a neutral event for one fate 
play it during a military conflict, and put into play a character from one of your provinces. Yeah, that seems... Hey, look, surprise, it's Hidekasada. One. You have the downside of then not getting to keep your big fatty around for a long time, but that's okay. You just got a seven military character for one. Yeah, exactly. I think that will break anything that's not entrenched position. Yeah, and you, you've still got two more hanging in, out in your deck. And then we got the the first of, I think we've seen three new Phoenix previews, all of which seem to have potential. Some more than others, but display of power. So it's a, <laughs> right the spell yeah. that does not require Ishugenja. No. But it is a three influence, so I don't think we're going to see it a lot out of Phoenix. But two fate event after you lose an unopposed, unopposed conflict. Your opponent does not get the ring benefit, but then you do, and you claim that ring. I mean, that could be a significant swing. Uh, you know, think about when you have things like people discarding and drawing cards, or instead of one of my guys getting dishonored and your guy getting honored, now your guy gets dishonored and my guy gets honored. That's a a big turnaround. I mean, just a card that says honor a guy or dishonor a guy, if it was free, seems good. This costs two, but is in that circumstance is effectively, I for my two, I get two honors and two dishonors. Yeah, that definitely seems like it's situational, but it's a situation that's going to come up somewhat regularly and will definitely be painful to your opponent. Your opponent, not that your opponent's probably not going to be able to do anything about it, but any time a Phoenix player has two fade up and you attack into them and they're like, eh, no defense... Even if they, like, send one guy, if you send them home, they can still play the card. Yep. Come on, what what do you want to do, Lion? Do you want to send home my last guy? Do you? <laughs> Are you feeling lucky, punk? <laughs> so, everybody, I, I think, you know, obvious consensus on that. Yeah, situational but extremely strong effect. There seems to be a little bit more question about... The Ishikin Prodigy. Uh, what did you think of, of that one? I think that's one that, if you play it cleverly, could be quite the surprise, because it is a conflict card, so you're putting it in the middle of the battle, and it's it starts as a 1-1, one, one, but it's what? Plus 1, plus 1, or for every claimed ring already? For every claimed ring. Yeah, so... Fourth conflict of the turn, they're, you're dropping a 4-4 into the middle of the battle. Yeah, some people are like, oh, it's, some people think it's, it's not that great because, you know, that you can't really use her till the end, and then, oh, is it going to be a surprise or not? But that, even if you get to play it as just a 3-3 for 2 in the third conflict, because terms may not always go to four conflicts deep, True. but... Uh, the final one, Grasp of Earth, that is stellar, yeah. I thought. Yes, it is. And do you know how many influence it is? Seven. One. I was close. Kind of reminds me of, of Watch Commander, except it is one influence instead of three, right? It's a plus one, plus one attachment for one that has a great ability. In this case, it's, you know, action... Your opponent can't move characters in or play characters from their hand. That's a big set of restrictions. Now, it does have a limitation in that it only works with the Shugenja, unlike the spell display of power. 
right. and unlike Watch Commander. So you can't just go anywhere. It has to be in a deck that's actually using enough Shugenja to make it viable. And I'm not sure how many of those there are going to be. Yes, it is. So hard to say with so little of the cards. Have we seen more than, say, two Shugenja yet out of a clan that's not Phoenix? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. I don't know that I would want to bring that in if I just had, like, what? you guess you could have two in clans and then maybe the Mia Mystic is good enough? Or something like that? Is, I mean, nine Shugenja in a 40-card deck? Well, also at that point, you're already allied with Phoenix, so probably you grab a Phoenix or two conflict person. Yeah, I guess you could. Okay, so anything else on cards before I turn it over to you to uh, gush about your story? (laughs) No, I don't think I have anything else to say about the cards that we've seen. Okay. Gush away. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Yeah, Phoenix Fiction... I really like this fiction. It's it's from Shiba Sukune's point of view, who's one of my favorite characters, a lot of people's favorite characters. It establishes that she, at the start of this fiction, is apparently Asawa Tadaka's uh, Yojimbo. She's hanging out with him, and they're being cute. And they are at... Uh, it turns out yesterday was the funeral for the previous clan champion, Shiba Ujimitsu, which makes me sad that he's not going to hang around and be awesome, but... Mm. <laughs> yeah. But so, this is this is after the his funeral, now they have to choose the new champion, which is done with Ofushiki, the ancestral sword of the phoenix, which has been around for, you know, a thousand plus years, it was Shiba's sword, and it chooses the new champion... And surprise, surprise, it's Sukune, who is very much presented as not really, you know, ready for it, not confident in herself. So, yeah, it, it, it is interesting how we're getting the, the different champions' point of views that, I, I think I was saying this last time, you had Tatori, who is analysis paralysis, you have Hotaru, who is naive and inexperienced. You have Kasada, who has been champion for a long time and is now worried that no one can replace him. And here we have Sukune, who doesn't feel worthy, doesn't feel right. I mean, it's it starts with her even just making small mistakes. She... I, I believe the quote was, she stepped into the shrine like a lion, which is, you know, more aggressive, more dangerous. Let's be clear here, when we're talking about she steps into the shrine like a lion, literally, what does it mean that she stepped in the shrine like a lion? She stepped in with her right foot first instead of her left foot. There you go. <laughs> that's, that that <laughs> explains all of the differences between the lion and the phoenix. Which foot do yeah. you use to step first? into the shrine. Yeah. The fiction also presents that, I don't remember now if it implied it heavily or outright stated it, that there's something wrong with the kami during this ceremony. The apprentice to the Master of Fire is trying to light a candle, and instead he lets, sets the shrine on fire. 
So obviously there's there's something wrong with the elements, and presumably that's going to be the Phoenix story for a while, is investigating what's going on there and trying to resolve it. Generally, I, I, I really like the fiction. It was really well done. One of the things I really liked is there's all these little subtle details throughout it, like that bit about she walks into the shrine like a lion would. A beautiful description of Ofushuki, the, the phoenix ancestral sword. And this is one of those, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but on my second read-through, so she mentions one of those things that she doesn't quite feel at place. She sees a tapestry that's, that, you know, they're in a phoenix shrine. There's tons of tapestries hanging from the walls, but she sees another one that looks out of place, and she describes it as a waterfall with pine trees, and I couldn't help but think when rereading that 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 sounded like the background of her original card art from the CCG. Yes, and and that, I mean, explicitly in the story, that is supposed to represent her, right? It's made. Yes. You can tell it's made in Lion Lands and then perfected in Phoenix. And I mean, the character explicitly in the story, her mental, her internal dialogue, or internal, sorry, her internal monologue identifies with with the banner so yes yeah i think knowing the the level of detail that spooky puts into the things i would guess that you are correct and that that was an intentional call out to that card art yeah so yeah i I really like that there were there were just subtle little touches throughout the story of things like that and it's interesting that they're obviously taking a different take on the Phoenix Clan champion. In AEG's L5R, there was always this idea that the soul of Sheba was passing from champion to champion, and they could communicate, and that part of the the bond with Ofushiki was being able to talk to all of the previous champions. And this doesn't have the, you know, dialogue exactly, but it does end with her looking at the blade and seeing reflected in it behind her all of the other champions and seeing that they approve and are happy with her choice with the choice of her as the new champion. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. Yes. It's a, you will never be alone. They said either, which is either depending on your point of view, very comforting or incredibly creepy. Hello, yeah. Seventeen Summers girl. We'll be watching <laughs> you. <laughs> Guys, I really need to use the bathroom. Can you give me a minute here, please? Uh, yeah, she's she's she is on the opposite end of her life path from Kisada. Yeah, yeah. And since that was the last one, it was very interesting to just see the stark difference between the two champions and their mindsets. Okay, now, Jay, I am tired of people making Game of Thrones comparisons. She is not a Stark. <laughs> what? What? She's not a uh, Sukune Stark? <laughs> Stark Sukune. I have to say, I am. I have kind of had it up to here with that, though. Like, with either the game or people yeah. having these discussions about whether or not the crab and their wall were ripping off of Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones was ripping off of L5R or... Or, you know, the unthinkable that they both are pulling from similar sources. 
when you have this discussion, well, L5R was published first. Oh, well, but there were chapters of <laughs> a Game of Thrones out there. And I'm like, I that's a heck of a stretch to suggest that, one, uh, George R. R. Martin was aware of some relatively obscure little game, or yeah. that the people at AEG were reading chapters of some unpublished book. Especially no since yeah. the wall was not part of the original conception of L5R. No, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. Shiba Sakune would totally fit in with the other Stark, Arya and John and Tony and just all of them. She's, she, she is a Stark. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yes. The, the girl accepts the championship. <laughs> exactly. What is it? Valor de Harris? Am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> All men must serve. And what 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 exactly does the Shiba champion do? Serves the, the, the Sawa. Yeah. There you go. I take it back, Jay. You are right. Yeah. She's she's clearly a Stark assassin. <laughs> Just pretending to be a uh, a Phoenix Clan champion. Which is funny too, because we actually do have another clan champion who's who's killed uh, a second clan champion so you know and it wasn't this one (laughs) no and of course the forums are now joking that oh she killed ijimitsu as well and (laughs) yes yeah i didn't just miss it right there was no indication of what happened to ujimitsu other than that like it wasn't he, he died younger than one would have expected yeah there was some line about something along the lines of he died younger than expected which could be anything People are, yeah, people on the forums are definitely interpreting that as, ooh, foul play. But I'm I'm going with, agreeing with the people that are on the side of, he wrote a final poem, so it was probably some sort of sickness, and in fact it's probably tied into whatever elemental imbalance the Phoenix are generally seeing. That is entirely possible. I mean, especially if the sickness was that he burst into flames. That is a common malady among the Phoenix. So. <laughs> I thought it was a more common malady amongst the Phoenix's enemy, but enemies, but you know. It's, it's highly contagious. <laughs> so, contact with the Phoenix, uh, we've built up a certain amount of immunity, like Typhoid Mary style. So, too much contact with the Phoenix can result in catching it. And yes, if Burnination lasts for more than four hours, please consult your local Shigenja. <laughs> yes, that is the sort of thing you you might consult a uh, a temple, a shrine made in Orishigenjo about or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Spooky did a a good job of layering the details on, mm-hmm. which in this case also in addition in addition to just generally providing more life into the the story, I think is important because. Because it was taking place at a temple, a lot of that background detail was about the little ritualistic religious things that they were doing, which kind of emphasizes that that's a phoenixy thing, and that's how Shugenja in the story work, right? They're not wizards just throwing fireballs. You are importuning a minor god, essentially, you know, a spirit to do this for you. Right. Oh, please call me a fire. Stop burning down my... Have this sacrifice that... Take that instead of our shrine. And, yeah, I, I do like, again, just 
right from the beginning, they're emphasizing that even the samurai of the of the phoenix are very spiritually minded, and yes, she made a mistake, but she immediately realized that she has made this spiritual mistake. She's literally gotten off onto the wrong foot, and that is important, and she feels bad about it. <laughs> in a way that a lion obviously would not care. That would be interesting if you see, saw a lion story about he's like, oh, I stepped in with my left foot. What kind of wimp am I? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Everybody's going to think I'm a phoenix. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah it'd be, it, there is no way we'd ever know, and I doubt there's going to be the same kind of clan loyalty this, it, 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 you know, to the same extent this time around. But it, it would be interesting to see if there was any sort of correlation between in, initial reception of fiction and... Mm-hmm clan popularity if that helps push things up any or well yeah because i don't know about you but i've seen several people post in various social media well i hadn't been considering phoenix but i just read this fiction and it's awesome so now i am yeah <laughs> you know the clans will be you know doing online petitions like please make spooky do the unicorn fiction too yeah yeah, I wonder if there will be a different author for each of the clans. That would be interesting. In which case, score? <laughs> I didn't say he was permanently the oh, Phoenix oh. author, but, he, but I mean that could be. But just even for the first set of nine or seven, sorry. However but, many clans there are, <laughs> who, there are who can keep track? Seven. Well, a noteworthy thing about that, if nothing else, is that it would mean that they have seven people writing fictions. That is also true. I mean, that was one of the things that hamstrung AEG for the story in some parts near the end, was that you, I mean, right, you had an entire year where the story team was basically Sean. Yeah. Like, because Spooky was writing the novel, and Sean was the only one writing individual fictions, and all of his fictions had to be, we're releasing a set, write some stuff for it. Yeah. And flavor texts, yeah. Oh, and by the way, spend two months writing Coils of Madness fictions that have nothing whatsoever to do with the plot that you had been developing. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to work real well. So it would be a plus if they were just, you know, regardless of anything else, if they actually had that many different people to keep it up, which, you know, could make sense. Fantasy Flight has more financial wherewithal and infrastructure than AEG ever did. They're just much bigger. Well, yeah, especially since they got bought out by Asmodee. Yes, they they did technically, although sometimes it feels like they they bought Asmodee. (laughs) But, well, I guess it's just because from sitting in the U.S., it really became Fantasy Flight just kind of takes the lead. It feels like, I guess from the outside, that Fantasy Flight just kind of takes the lead on that stuff now for the North American market. Yeah. You know, I mean, right, the, you know, I'm running Fantasy Flight is essentially synonymous with I'm running Asmodee North America. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Okay. So, a triumphant return for Mr. Denton. Mm-hmm. And then next week we should have more Phoenix cards to talk about. Yes. We'll see how little attacking you're allowed to do as the Phoenix. <laughs> Yes, and the pretty card to go with the very, very pretty art that is Shiba Sukune. Yes, she died. <laughs> they they are capturing the whole, like, wow, she is young. <laughs> yeah. 
I imagine that will come up with in future fictions. I mean, they made such a point of repeatedly emphasizing how young she was. I guess that was slightly forced. I mean, they call her 17 Summers girl twice. <laughs> I don't know if that's a phraseology that anybody uses. It's just you didn't want to... I think he was trying to just have it kind of flow naturally instead of having to stop and have someone say, wow, the new champion's only 17 years old. Uh, <laughs> also, I think that the phrasing of 17 Summers is old 5R, you didn't have a birth date on, like, June 3rd or whatever. You celebrated your birth at the beginning of the year. Everyone did. I do not remember one way or the other. So you have you have recalled a detail that has <laughs> had escaped me, sir. Kudos! I also have RPG books and read them. <laughs> there is an awful lot of the RPG that you would never know if you've only looked at the CCG cards. Oh, or God. even the story. Yes. I mean, if if you've only looked at the cards, you're really not going to get a lot. But even the fictions don't go nearly as far as the the RPG books. I think that technically all of my RPG books are back on the shelf now, but that's because they're in boxes and the boxes are on the shelf. <laughs> it, it is technically correct, the best kind of correct. <laughs> yes. This whole unpacking thing is, uh, while, I mean, while not like having a week off or something to do it, it really takes a while. the The library is getting close because oh yes, did I mention we now we just have a room that we're calling the library now. We put all not all not all actually not all, but we put the the lion's share of the bookshelves in one room. So we have one room that it's probably supposed to be like a formal family room or something like that but whatever i mean we just need a couch in the room with the tv right yeah although here's here's something that's kind of scary we've been in this house for like three weeks i haven't i haven't hooked up the tv yet (gasps) well i uh i've had as as you could tell i've had plenty to do but we also thought like well we the kids are like in this habit of getting a bedtime show because it kind of like was the routine so maybe, but well, maybe if we just don't have the TV set up, then we have to be like, oh, we'll just have to read more books, kids. Oh, darn. Oh, no. What is the world coming to? Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've, I've been here like a year and a half, and I've still got boxes I haven't unpacked, so don't feel that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to avoid that. I mean, some of that is inevitable because we have some amount of boxes that are keepsakes for lack of a better word that really we don't need to be keepsaking but we are <laughs> start well starting with like my boxes that have star trek ccg cards in with them i mean really chris really those are very important collectible those will be valuable some never you should definitely keep those with your beanie baby collection I thankfully I don't have any of those. If they were worth something, I wouldn't have them anymore. I probably would have just sold them. I mean, I, I it was much less important in my lifespan. So, and it was much more expensive. So my Star Wars CCG cards are long gone. Yeah. But the uh, the Star Trek one, I played that a ton. I was involved in a magazine. Ooh. I went to like Worlds three years in a row, including the year when like it was an invitational thing and they flew you out there nice it was just a big deal for a while i don't know do you know anybody who wants some celestial edition flashback ce15 flashback cards 
I mean, who wouldn't want that? That was such a great set. All of the old art in the new borders. I did. I I wanted that, and I got some of them from the like when AEG was getting rid of its warehouse of stuff. They put the warehouse stuff into the AEG store, and it was kind of like first come first nerd served to snatch it up. Right. And so I bought. There was a thing that was CE fifteen cards, and I'm like, well, it's it's probably you know sets or something. So I was thinking I was going to get a long box that would probably would have had like three play sets of them. Mm-hmm. And I got a box that had like f- at least four of those long boxes in it. Nice. <laughs> what? Yeah. But now they're just sitting here in my, I, I mean, they have some, I mean, they have monetary value. And so I'm like, well, I guess I can try to sell them or something, but uh, it's just not like, that's not what I was expecting. No. But but yeah, they're they're kind of weird because I, I never really had much of them when I played at the time because I I didn't need to buy Celestial Edition fifteen the packs because I already had everything at that point. I already yeah. had all the Celestial Edition stuff I needed. I already had all the other sets. The only things I needed in those packs were, were the Celestial Edition fifteen cards, and those weren't playable. So I, I had to make a financial decision to just really not get that. Even I didn't even buy the Celestial Edition 15 starter decks because they were identical to the normal Celestial Edition starter decks. Excuse me, except they had the Celestial Mempos, I think. Yeah. Which were not playable. No, they were not. <laughs> so I, uh, on the one hand, I'm not usually too enthused about the notion of pushing cards to make sure you sell a thing. On the other hand, I have to admit, if you want me to buy a product and it's got literally one new card in it, and that's the only reason I would buy the product, if it's just a bad card, that makes it easier to justify not buying it. Especially since I, you know, it would literally have been, I'm buying an entire starter box just for those cards. Yes. But Samurai Banzai and then Celestialism 15, I guess we never got to see 20 festivals 20th or yeah. whatever. <laughs> I think we're moving away from that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, because they weren't keeping a single base set around for two years. Right. So when you had Samurai Bonsai and uh, and CE15, those were being released about, a, I think, about a year after the base set had been released. And they had cards from the base set, but they also had cards from sets that were like a year and a half old at that point that were still going to be legal for another year and it was kind of a way to get more rares from back in you know cons defiance or whatever into the card pool for for newer players that you were bringing in the need to do that kind of thing kind of goes away when you have a essentially a new core set every year yes all right anything else you wanted to to throw in there about phoenix clan fiction that's what we were talking about right <laughs> the Phoenix Clan about. fiction. I mean, I cannot say enough about how much I enjoyed this fiction and just all the little tiny details that were fascinating and interesting. Like, I mean, the fact that the the shrine catches fire and all everybody else is like, we gotta save the relics, we gotta save the scrolls. Sukune goes, I gotta save the peasants. Well, to be fair, she she, she went in looking for scrolls. But then she found sure. people and bothered to save them. Yeah. And she lost her Chekhov's gun. Oh, no. 
Now how is she going to shoot someone in Act 2? She she did shoot someone in Act 2 with Chekhov's gun. But I was actually not expecting that to be a Chekhov's gun. It's like the it's the little head it's the headband from her brother. Right. I was not expecting that to come up again. I was just thinking that was going to be a, a little touch. And then it did come back up again and then got burnt to a crisp and thus she lost her Chekhov's gun. Uh, it would be interesting. Do you think that the that there will be anything with Tetsu? Do you think that he's he's kind of like a guy who is now like he played his role in this fiction and now he's kind of done? Or do you think that might there might someday be internal conflict because, you know... Tetsu actually thinks this is kind of BS, and if he had gotten to touch the sword first, it would have chosen him. I can see that happening, but I don't. I don't think it's going to. I would not be surprised if we don't if we see Tetsu again. I. I, I think you're right. I would guess that would not happen because it's. I don't know how much they're going to play, like active internal conflict in the first story arc, and. Right. It's harder to get into that, given the limitations of the format. In that, you know, you get at most what a fiction every other week, and to use one of those up on on a clan occup like just focusing like on a long term basis, use not just one but multiples of those, maybe focusing on a, a a clan's internal things instead of starting to get into more interactions. Right? Like we have these introductory ones that are really just focused on one clan. I would think that as time passes, you know, more and more of the fictions will be have a broader focus on interaction of the clans. Right. Also, I think if you're going to do that story, Lion makes a lot more sense because Matsusuko is kind of annoyed that uh, Tatori's her champion, whereas I think the Phoenix are much more apt to be like, well, the sword picked... Never mind which clan, clan is more apt to do it or not, but that's that's a good point. We've already got a clan who seems to be heading in that storyline, and yeah. this wouldn't be exactly the same storyline, but yeah. And that one is clearly, like, I'm just, you know, rank speculation over here. What if they did whatever, whereas, yeah, Matsutsuko was clearly ticked off. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she doesn't have other settings, but yeah. <laughs> Yes, but she could have been ticked off at something else. She could have oh, just yeah, been ticked yeah. off at the crane. Instead, I think she it seemed like she was madder at Tatori than she was at Tataru. Maybe just because Tatori was there, but... Yeah. Well, also, she wants to take her turn at Puerto Rico, and she's waiting for Tatori just super analysis paralysis on, on free, doing his turn. She's like, come on, it's Puerto Rico! Just look it up on BoardGameGeek. There's a set pattern for what the right move is. And I'm going to get mad at you for not, if you don't follow that too. Exactly. You get it. (laughs) Okay. On that, on that stirring, glorious, battle-hardened Puerto Rico, obscure Puerto Rico reference. Thanks for listening. This has been Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www strangeassembly.com you can also check us out on facebook where we are facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on twitter you can find more podcast shenanigans with us if you are using the apple podcast app or are in the google play music store 
We always appreciate it if you leave us ratings or reviews there. It helps other people find the show. If you wanted to have any comments or criticisms, such as the number of flubs in this outro that I've had to edit out, because as Jay has pointed out, I have not chosen to just pre-record it and actually do this live every single time. You can contact me at chris at strangeassembly.com or if you want that internship or to just commiserate with Jay for having to put up with this, you can contact him. He's Jay at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl, I am Chris Stevenson and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. As you say. <laughs>